Hello, audio friends, and welcome to the latest episode of The Abby Khan Show. Before I introduce today's incredible guest, I want to remind you guys that my acclaimed book, How to Feel Great Naked, is still on sale on my website. It won't be for much longer, so make sure you head out to www.abbycanfitness.com and go and check that out. Is as you can see, getting incredible reviews, and I'm loving the feedback on the book so far, so thank you so much for that. Guys, today's guest is Mr. Blake Worrell-Thompson. Blake has been in the fitness game for 15 years plus now. He has made the successful transition into being a mindset coach. He speaks in his new programs all about mastering the mind and creating the life of fulfillment, and he drops a ton of knowledge bombs in today's episode, so please have your pens, pads, notebooks, apps, awaiting, ready to learn. So without further ado, please enjoy my chat with Blake Worrell-Thompson. You're listening to The Abby Khan Show, a podcast that inspires people to achieve what they once believed was impossible. My name's Abby Khan. I'm an actor, health and fitness coach, and it is my mission to connect with interesting people, share their stories, find out how they optimize their lives for success, and how you can do the same. Mr. Blake Worrell-Thompson, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Mike, thanks for having me. I mean, I've been looking forward to this for a while now, but before we jump into things, can you just give us a quick background story of who you are and what it is that you do? Um, yeah, well, previously I was a personal trainer in the health and fitness space and was there for about 15 years, I think, and loved it and Felt super fortunate, to be honest, that I found a passion. I know a lot of people kind of struggle to find that passion or purpose. And then towards the back end, over the last probably 18 months, it just started to kind of die on me. And my natural um, evolution had kind of taken me more into understanding humans, how to um, help them master their mind, make more sense of what brings them fulfillment, um, you know, look at humans and connection. And that then became the natural evolution for me on a personal level and then from a coaching um, point of view and, and from a business point of view. So now it's very much around helping people master their minds, find more fulfillment, break through the kind of BS that's holding them back um, and be in more alignment, which is, a um, again, I feel super fortunate to have found the second um, passion and purpose when, you know, as, as you're aware, so many people really struggled to find that first one. So, yeah, that's me. What, um, what got you into PT? Because you obviously lasted, you went into it and, and lasted 15 years, which is, which is amazing, for, especially for something that you actually love. What got you into it to start with? Well, mate, to be honest, I, I wanted to play AFL. I'm not sure even if, as an English fellow, whether you know AFL, but I wanted to play that. Um, and just wasn't good enough at the end of the day and, and kind of had to pivot pretty quickly, you know, halfway through year 12 and I was like, okay, I'm not going to make it. Like, what do I do next? And health and fitness, I was a horrible student, um, lucky to kind of get through. But health and fitness was my big thing. And I, I, to be honest, I remember a mate telling me, oh, have you thought about personal training? I didn't even know what it was. And I looked at the course and I was like, yeah, fuck, it sounds perfect for me. So, you know, after school, spent three months um, being a brickie and saving enough money to pay for my personal training course and then went and did it. And, you know, amazing to think that um, at a very tender age of 18 that I was out kind of trying to build my own business and, you know, even even more fortunate that people were taking me on for my services. But, yeah, mate, to, to find that passion at that age i felt super grateful um and lucky and then for it to last literally 15 years and only die in me in the last you know 18 months it was a really good stretch i'm interested especially being 15 years ago what were the the and being so young still what was the biggest challenges for you getting into the industry because it's incredibly competitive now i'm not sure what it was like um, like 15 years ago when you started it was very it was a very different ball game so back then i think there was like four or five providers of cert three and cert four which is your personal training qualification and now it's up around 150 to 175. So a very different game. 
back then it was very much around, you know, housewives, CEOs and Hollywoods that did PT. Um, and if you weren't one of those, then, you know, you kind of might have gone to the gym, but it wasn't really a big thing. And then obviously, um, you know, CrossFit came through and that, that, that group training dynamic, which is obviously a lot more affordable for people now, it wasn't really a thing back then. I think it might have been like a step into a life, which is, you know, an outdoor franchise. But outside of that, the options were pretty limited. So, you know, for me, um, getting into the space at, at back then was easy because it wasn't that busy. But, you know, the big thing for me as an 18-year-old is, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you're aware of kind of is, is the connection piece. Like, it, it has its challenges, you know, you as an 18-year-old connecting with someone in their 30s or 40s. So that was probably the, the tougher thing. And obviously at 18, you don't really realise that that's the piece, but that was probably um, the more challenging piece back then. And what do you think, obviously, like pushing forward 15 years, only the last 18 months it died in you. What do you think that was because of? Was there, was there a moment where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. You fell out of love with it or you were even more passionate about the, the mastering the mind and the fulfillment capacity, uh, aspect of life? Yeah, it was more that. I think just my natural evolution, you know, I looked at some of the struggles that I was having, um, both from understanding my mind, some really poor kind of behaviours that I was um, showing up in the world and just wanting to understand humans better, what makes them tick, what makes them happy, you know, why things aren't necessarily working for us as humans. I mean, you don't have to look too hard and far to know that, you know, mental health's not working, relationships are breaking down really easily. People are, like, the systems for me are, are completely shot. So I started to really pay attention to wondering, you know, how can I have a bigger impact than sets, reps and steam broccoli and be able to, you know, have a more... Um, transformative experience for those that I worked with. So we've, um, we've basically just briefly touched on, on the, on the mindset perspective and that leads us right into dealing with our, dealing with our own mind and our own doubts, specifically sort of self doubt. Is that something you come across much in your practice, whether that's yourself or your clients? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it, it shows up in so many different ways, self-doubt, self-worth, self-love, self-sabotage. You know, it really does shop um, in a number of ways. And I think the thing for a lot of people, you know, and this is really one of the, the bits that um, is of most interest to me, is that most people don't probably have a level of self-awareness and introspection to know what their limitations are in terms of, you know, oh, I noticed that I believe this to be true about that, or I noticed that, you know, I find myself sabotaging there. So when I'm looking to create change, I need to start with a really good level of self-awareness because, you know, a lot of people talk about ownership and you need to take ownership, and that's, that's true, but you can't own what you can't see. So it's really important to be able to highlight, okay, it's interesting that you've got this pattern. I noticed that, you know, you've got this belief and that's why that in you know that in the first session that I have with them, it's anywhere between ninety minutes to two hours because when I get them to speak through their dialogue is where I hear where their limitations are, and because they're used to that dialogue and that's their reality, they don't question it. Like we don't we don't have a level of introspection or we don't question our own reality because our reality is that it's our reality. But as soon as people start to go, well, that's interesting. Like my reality is not the same as anyone else's. No two people are going to have the same reality because no two people have had the same experience. And when they can loosen their grip on what they believe to be true, then you've got more range for kind of transformation because you don't hold on so tight to those beliefs and limiting um, beliefs as well. Where do you think that self-doubt comes from or that lack of self-worth? Is it from childhood? Is it the way we were sort of raised, our, our environment? Where do you think it comes from mostly? Well, us as humans are 95% unconscious. So what that means is that although we're kind of awake and moving, 95% of our belief system, our programming, our habitual you know, habits is on autopilot. So 
that 95% obviously plays a really big role in terms of what's working and what's not for us. And that 95% was created in what's called the imprint period, which is the first seven years of your life. And as you're aware, the biggest um, impact in that first seven years is our parents. So we, you know, between zero and seven, we're like a sponge. We're taking in everything. And we take in the good. And we also take in the bad. And, you know, if you look into the research, they are of the belief that even if you had really conscious parents, you're likely to pick up 40% good habits, 40%. And most of us don't have really conscious, awake, aware parents. So it's, it's really ingrained at such an early age. And it's not until you start to loosen your grip on what you believe to be true and you start to bring light to that, you know, those habits, those patterns, those programmings that you can create change. So that's really important that it starts at such a young age. So I guess a really, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So most of our parents aren't conscious and conscious and aware of like, here's what my child might be retaining from this. And I know my parents definitely didn't do that. And it doesn't make people bad. It's just that that's just the way it is. Like not everyone has this, this level of knowledge or this level of education. Is there something that you can advise that people do, especially people that do have younger kids to be aware of that are, so that they can create a little bit more positive um, sort of behaviors in their own child for later life? Yeah, mate, to be honest, you know, as simple as this sounds, is to be aware of the impact that you're having. Because I think when you are aware of the impact you're having, you'll be more conscious of, how that's coming across so you know if and a hard thing unfortunately for parents is you know depending how you look at it can kind of be a lose-lose because little jimmy is going to interpret things however he wants to interpret so if you walk past him and um you know him at three years of age is, is very much in his different mindset he may be of the belief that you know you you don't care or you don't love him. So a lot of the stuff that we're not doing or doing isn't actually intentional. It's just the perception of, you know, a little minor. So to be really aware of the words that are coming out of your, your mouth, you know, positive words, kind words, lots of love, and have that um, child very kind of secure and, and feeling the love is a really nourishing approach to their upbringing. Um and if people kind of want to look into it more, there's a term called conscious parenting, which is definitely worth, you know, like I'm so passionate about it because I had a very interesting upbringing. And obviously over the last three to four years, I've had to address a lot of my programming. Um, but, you know, for the majority of people, they'll never do the work that I um, have done or, and I'm still doing. And it makes it really challenging because you're likely to play out you know, the, the natural evolution and the byproduct of what was created in that first seven years. And for a lot of people, that's not good. So, you know, you really, as much as this puts a lot of pressure on parents, you really can and do make or break things, you know, for your kids in that first seven years. No, that's brilliant. That. I think it, aside from like the psychological perspective, the physiological is the same, right? Whether it's feeding them the right foods, teaching them about, you know, getting them involved in like sports or exercise on a daily basis, whatever you teach that. If you teach that kid that having a Big Mac meal every night is just the norm, they will for a long time believe that, cool, this is what we do every single night. Like we have takeout or we have a Big Mac meal every single night. 100%. And, and mate, even things like that, you know, that, that was a pattern of mine. Of, and, and again, you know, I don't want to kind of have parents overthinking this too much and, and worrying about everything that they're doing, you know, wrong. But, you know, even for us, we, we were rewarded with junk food. So we create what's called a reward pattern. Whereas if we do something good, you know, even in our adult years, and I, I only broke away through this pattern um, probably three years ago. But what I noticed is, you know, I'd reward myself for the good, you know, after a good week of work with, you know, take out or whatever it may be not, not that anything's wrong with that but it's more about breaking the patterns that were created in those formative years and I, I i love that i i'm also curious in hearing when we do create those behaviors essentially as you know yourself for being a pt for such a long time if you are trying to you know 
drop body fat, train for a photo shoot, get on stage, wherever it might be, we still have those negative associations and those negative behavioral patterns, essentially self-sabotaging ourselves. Where do you think that self-sabotage comes from? Mate, it's a really good question. Self-sabotage is amazing. Um, and I actually noticed, you know, although I know enough about nutrition to know how to get my body composition into a very healthy place, and, you know, I'm, I'm not as drawn to aesthetics as I once was, but I noticed patterns similar for me of, like, self-sabotaging. And, you know, what we probably don't give enough attention to is understanding the emotional element of being human. You know, it's all well and good to think of us like a computer, we make decisions from an emotional place so if, you know if you're looking at self-sabotage and you don't understand the emotional component to food then you're going to kind of find it somewhat challenging so for me one of the things i noticed you know is when i was um, being brought up i had quite a um, rough uh relationship with a with a guy who was much older and bigger than me um and what I noticed, and this obviously took some kind of therapy and some work to do, is that my brain, which always looks out for the best for us, which is sometimes really hard to really um, understand, but from a safety point of view, it wanted me to be a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier. And I'm not big, but, you know, relatively speaking, because what it had created in, you know, in my brain is when I was a kid and I was small, I could get pushed around by this guy a fair you know, fairly easy. So my brain's going, well, don't get too light and don't get too, you know, in its head, don't get too light and lean. It created those two things together because then you become exposed to, you know, a lack of safety essentially. So that was one of the things that I had to work through. And what essentially would happen was I'd get to a certain body composition. And like I said, I'm not fixated on the body composition like I once was. And then I would find a way to really sabotage it. And it probably happened for three years before I was like, okay, Something's going on here below the surface that I can't see, and that was one of the things that came up. So, um, you know, when it comes to self-sabotage, it's it's often a story that isn't that visible in terms of, oh, I've sabotaged because of A, B, and C. Like, you need to process it, and you often need to be, you know, really still and silent to be able to tap into that unconscious or that subconscious to be able to identify what is actually happening below the surface. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you said about uh, gaining size from the psychological protective safety. Because a lot of people that get into martial arts, even like bodybuilding, have potentially like childhood traumas, whether it's from abusive parents, abusive people around them, thinking, if I get just bigger and stronger, this person can't bully me, abuse me anymore. Um, you know, and, and that, that in itself sometimes as you said then like needs work to break out of that pattern of like i don't need to keep getting bigger or i don't need to keep fighting this theoretical fight that's not really happening anymore yeah and that's you know that's that's the big thing for a lot of people like we we're saturated with information and there's a lot of good and bad information out there and we're probably underdeveloped in terms of mastering our mind and knowing the impact that you know our mind and our emotional state um, and emotional well-being's having on you know, the results or lack of results that we're getting. So if we're to, I guess, sum up or at least advisory on self-doubt, is there a couple of ways that you advise people help overcome that self-doubt, whether it's asking themselves a certain series of questions or what could you advise there with people that do really struggle with that self-doubt element in life? Yeah, I've been looking at, I mean, that you can kind of, unpack that a thousand and one ways but one thing i would consider is you know we have a thing called confirmation bias and what that means is that we will always find evidence to support our current belief system so for example if you doubt um you know that you can't find a, a good guy or a girl you know in terms of a relationship you will you will find evidence to support that so what I would do in terms of changing your brain around that is seeking evidence to support what you want to experience. E.g., you know, there's Jimmy and Sally who have been together for 20 years, still passionate, still having lots of healthy sex, great relationship, whatever it might be. There's, you know, there's um, Stevie who's really lean, fit and healthy and confident in himself and he doesn't starve himself. So that would be the first thing. I'd also think about what you're feeding your brain in terms of information. So um, my relationship with mainstream media is essentially that 
you know, I, I don't think it's the best and healthiest thing for a lot of people because of the fear and the doubt and, you know, what it brings to light. So if you're feeding, you know, your brain certain information, look at whether that's bringing positive things to light for you because there's lots of positive stuff happening in the world. Are you feeding it with that or are you feeding it with kind of the mainstream? So there's a couple of things I would think. And, and naturally, you know, we become, you know, the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So really take care um, and protect your energy, with, you know, by, by the people that you're surrounding yourself with. That's a really big piece. So there's three things that I'd consider that I think are really important. The, um, the average of the five people is going to bring us into the next point, which is perfect a segue. But before that, it's really interesting. You said the, uh, the thing about mainstream media, because I've had this conversation with a lot of my clients. Um, and it's about, you know, self-doubt and, and having more positivity in their life, things of that nature. And we, we spoke about just social media in general, because I know that a few of them are just adamant on social media. It's constantly, always, always on them. And I said, out of, out of curiosity, you know, what sort of um, information and content are you surrounding yourself with? And they like showed me and stuff and literally all of it is just this toxic, toxic, negative, very opinionated sort of people that are creating this doubt in their mind. And I said, hey, let's, let's do this for a week. Let either delete those people and follow those people or just log out of Instagram and don't go on it for an entire week. Let's just see what happens. And every single one of those people, um, two of them deleted their account completely, which I didn't tell them to do. And one of them just logged out of their account and all of them came back with just such a profoundly different positive vibe even a week later a couple of some of them were even a couple of days later and it was so amazing to be able to see something just small and insignificant as that had such a profoundly positive impact on their life well mate the hard thing is you know it's human nature and it's also very ego driven is that we compare ourselves to people on social media and you know i've dated two absolutely beautiful girls who um have very strong profiles on social and, and, and they're the first ones to say, like, my life isn't what you see on social. And for whatever reason, it keep, we need to keep reinforcing it and reinforcing it. And, and there's so many people that look up to them, which is, you know, beautiful because they are amazing girls, um, but look up to them in a way of, like, oh, this is how my life's meant to look. But what they don't see is, like, you know, the massive blow-ups that we would have or mm. the struggles that they've had with business or you know, the days where they're feeling like bloated and fat and ugly and, you know, whatever it might be as well. So it's unfortunate because we, you know, we are hearing these messages of like, do not compare yourself to the highlights of someone else. But we're, you know, our mind is still seeking out that. Um, and it's really in that moment where you do find yourself comparing where you need to be like really quick on to your mind and go, well, I actually don't know what that person's experiencing. Do you know what I mean? Like really in that moment because our minds are so creative that we can find it taking off on a tangent of like, oh, this person, you know, does holidays here and, you know, often, you know, I've been on those holidays with those, you know, girls when they're doing a collab with, a, with you know, a business or whatever it might be and some of them are a fucking nightmare. It's like, you know, <laughs> you, you don't actually get to have the holiday. It's like, fuck, the moment you get there, you're on, you know, you're doing A, B and C and, um, you know, some of these girls just prefer to pay for their own holiday mm. um, because at least they could enjoy it as opposed to working the whole time. So it's a, it's a nasty trap to get into. I don't, I probably haven't given enough thought as to what the solution is, but I'd hate to be a, you know, a, a 16 to 20 year old female growing up in, in this world with that pressure and um, the comparison and competition that comes with social media. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Is there always is that comparison, whereas it might be just a say, for example, a sixteen-year-old girl just putting out stuff because she just enjoys it, or it's just for her and her friends to to like. And you might have people, you know, either commenting some negative shit, some toxic stuff, you know, brands coming in there, and that's obviously very exciting, cool. I'm gonna build my profile, I'm gonna get money, and I get free stuff for for what? Just taking photos, fucking sweet. I'll do that. But there's also the negative aspects that we don't get told about, as you've just sort of alluded to a little bit there, and it's super, it's interesting, but it's also, I guess, paramount for people 
to be able to have a, be very self-aware and looking back, is this actually what I want? Do I really give a flying fuck about having a brand represent me? Maybe not. Maybe I just don't care. Maybe, especially being in Australia, living in Byron and just surfing every day. Why would you want anything more than that lifestyle? It sounds amazing. And you don't need a brand to do that. Uh, no, you're right. And, and to be honest, it's, it's you know, I feel like there's, no, there's nowhere else I'd prefer to be in Australia than Byron. So I do feel fortunate for that. Um, and, and that's the thing is, you know, for a lot of these people, unfortunately, and Jim Carrey says it best, is like, you know, his big saying is, I wish everyone would experience money and fame to know that it's not the answer. And we can say it till we're black and blue in the face, but unfortunately for a lot of people, they need to experience it firsthand of like, oh, I got this brand, you know, on board, or I made this amount of money um, and it didn't serve my purpose. And I, you know, not, not to the extremes that, you know, my, my two ex-girlfriends have, have got to in terms of social media, but I've been fortunate enough to, you know, have brand alliances and holidays and whatever else. Um, and while it looks shiny, it's very rare that it's a shiny on, on the inside as it's showing on, on, on social. So, you know, hopefully people can really grasp that concept. And if they can't, then, you know, unfortunately they may have to experience it firsthand to know that it's not the answer and to seek that kind of, you know, fulfillment, happiness, connection elsewhere. Yeah, I think a lot of people, we do look to the external often for these shiny things rather than looking internally. I mean, the amount of conversations that I've had in, in the gym locker that I work out at we, with uh, young guys and girls who are very, very pretty, you know, naturally in good shape, great genetics, things like that. And, you know, representing, or not representing, like wearing brand gear and things like that. And, and just me just having a general conversation with them. And, you know, what are you doing generally, you know, just in your training or, you know, I want to get leaner to compete so I can get a deal. And I was, it, this was really interesting when I first had this conversation with one of the young girls and I was just like, why, why do you want that? Also, I can live the lifestyle that insert influencer lives. I was like, so you're, you're, you're working to live a lifestyle that you think theoretically that somebody else actually lives. And like, yeah, I was like, is that what you want? Like, well, yeah, you know, it'd be good because I see that the, that person is enjoying it. I believe it, what do you want? And it was really interesting because this person couldn't answer that question. They had no idea what they actually wanted to do and if doing this would get them to where they wanted to be because they didn't know what they actually wanted because they're looking for this external validation, which will never come because you can always have more money, more cars, more watches, more fame, but internally you'll never get that sense of fulfillment. Mate, it's, oh, that, that chat makes me so anxious for a number of reasons. You know, like I think um, whenever, you've got external and, and you know again I, I would have heard it a hundred times before it really landed but if you if ever you've got the external drivers that you're really attached to you're in trouble because it need like it has to come from within and you hear all the spiritual people say you know talk about it, you're like shut up mate yeah. but like until you experience it you kind of really um are fixated and the other thing that's really concerning for so many people, the more the attachment, the more the suffering. So these do things look in a certain way, and at 24 hours that it feels good, you know, 48 hours, whatever it might be, and then it wears off, and you're like, oh, fuck, like, maybe I need to earn more. Maybe I need a bigger contract. Maybe I need a shinier ambassador role, and they go again. You know, and I talk about this a lot of, like, it's the carrot that society dangles in front of us that we just keep on this hamster wheel. And some of us never get off. Like, oh, you know, I've got a pay rise and I've got a, a promotion and now I can, you know, tell my friends about it for the next 48 hours. And then, and then cool. And then what? Like, has that solved all your problems? Has that hit the sweet spot that you thought it was going to? Nah, fuck, I'll go again. Got another promotion, another pay rise. Sweet, cool. You, you know, you can, you can post about it on social media. It does fuck all. It, and so many people are going to stay on that hamster wheel the whole time, which is, which is um, fright. Like for me, it's frightening because you can lose 10, 20 years of staying on the hamster wheel and keep chasing and never, never find that sweet spot. So, yeah, it makes me very anxious what you said. Yeah, I, um, there, there's a, a really good story that I heard not so long ago. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase the story, but essentially this guy was talking about one of his employees and so he this guy was uh it was 
I think the COO or maybe even the CEO of his company and there was a lower sort of tiered woman that had been working there forever and he she'd constantly been telling him every time he ran into her about this holiday that she was going to go on and she was going to take her and her, her partner. I think she was like in her 60s, her and her partner on holiday when she'd, when she'd retired and all this stuff. And it was really beautiful. And she was, she'd tell him about him all the time. All, I, you know, I'm going to go and then I'm going to go this place and then I'm going to go this place and whatever. And um, obviously this guy be, being a very high powered sort of individual in the company didn't see her all the time and he traveled, he traveled the world throughout his company and he said one year he'd come back and he'd spoken, he was speaking to uh, this, this lady's partner asking, oh, you know, it's Marianne, let's say her name, he says, how's Marianne, you know, you know he must be close to her retiring and she's going on this holiday with you guys and he goes, well, Marianne actually died and she never ended up going on this holiday because she'd just been waiting for so long and looking for these um, this sort of external fulfillment in going on this holiday that she'd never actually even got there. And all this time, it sort of made me think of like, she'd been trying to get this, you know, this holiday, for example, and this external validation of this self-worth, and she never got this sense of fulfillment because she never even actually worked within and gone, I don't need all of this, all of this shiny stuff. It would be cool. I'm not saying don't go on holiday, but... Focus internally first and you might find that fulfillment's right here all along rather than trying to figure out where it could be in this esoteric sort of world. Well, mate, that's the big thing. And, and again, you know, I would have heard it hundreds of times, especially from, you know, older clients and older people in my 20s. And they're like, oh, mate, like, look within. And it just sounded like just bullshit to me. You know, I, I was still kind of chasing that rabbit um, you know, and on that hamster wheel of society, but it, it really does come down to that. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, like, well, what, what does looking within mean? Like, you know, how do I even do that? And the self-actualization and the self-awareness and just understanding what you like is a is such a good place to start. And I think you know, coming back to that story you said before, like, for a lot of people, because they don't really know what lights them up they choose the default of like oh you know this pretty little thing on on social media is living this lifestyle so that must mean that i like it or you know she's praised upon so she must be doing something right or she's the definition of success who gives a fuck what like what she's doing what's your definition of success what is your fulfillment what does your happiness look like and for me you know i'm fortunate that like my de- definition of success is living in Byron Bay, you know, with a online, you know, coaching business that that fills me up. But that's like, that's not to say that that's right. For some people, it might be living in Northern Territory, being a jackaroo, or or living in, you know, Western Australia, being a, a, a surf instructor. Like, there's no there's no kind of cook, you know cookie cutter um, perfect definition of what happiness and success is other than working out for yourself what that looks like so on that journey to to that self-actualization and that, and that success going back to what we spoke about previously was surrounding yourself with with the right people now when we're looking at at toxic people and toxicity in life coming from others how do you educate your clients about overcoming that and especially if those people are close family members, close friends that you might have known for like 10 years, how do you have that conversation with them to say, hey, look, you might need to spend a bit of time away from that person or even ditch that person altogether because they're not going to help you find your life of fulfillment? Well, there's a a couple of reasons it's challenging. The first one is that we innately are put on this planet to be part of a tribe. So tribe's obviously the term that they used back you know, centuries ago. So we we want to be included. Um, and to be honest, I think that plays a really big part in why people very rarely, like, stand out or stand for something because they know that when you really stand for something, you create people that don't agree with your, you know, your take on things. And the more I get louder with my message, the more it's polarizing for those that don't agree with my message. And that's fine. And that's really quite confronting to a lot of people of like, oh, if I stand for something and I take this path, then it means I'm going to create these haters. So they sit on the fence as opposed to really branching out and expressing their most authentic self. The other part is that we innately are drawn to what's familiar. So 
you know, and this is really deep in the DNA, you'll often find like, you know, someone who might have experienced a toxic relationship, you know, and their parents, they will keep drawing that relationship because that's what their, their DNA and their nervous system's actually wired to. And this is a really, you know, strong form of self-sabotage. If, if your parents had a really toxic relationship, you may call that in time after time after time. And what would actually happen from a nervous system point of view is you'd actually feel really kind of, you know, it's, it's likely that you feel really frantic and anxious if you were in a really calm, healthy relationship. So from self-actualization and self-realization, it's important to start with those two things. What I would say from a drawing yourself away from people is that it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a dramatic affair. Do you know what I mean? So it might be that, you know, you see, um, you see uh, Stevie every weekend and Stevie's really toxic and he's always, like, complaining. And you go to once every two weekends and you just do, like, the fade-out. You don't necessarily all, like, always have to have a real heavy conversation. Like, my, you know, my best mate's still my best mate after, what is it, coming up 20 years. But outside of that, my groups, my school groups have changed very much. And again, you know, for many of us, we're scared to branch out from what we know, you know. So there's the association of, you know, you're still mates with people from the footy club or you're still mates from, you know, school because you haven't branched out and you haven't tested the water or you're still mates from, you know, your work colleagues that you worked with seven years ago. It's important to put yourself in different situations to find your tribe. And it's actually something I'm really kind of drawn to um, and creating a, a, an offering next year around people that I find are like-minded with me, you know, because some of the stuff I'm into and, and whatever else is a little bit edgy and a little bit left of, you know, the status quo, the nine to five. So I, I really want to surround myself with like-minded people because, you know, for, for most of us, we prefer to be in a tribe that doesn't feel right than to go, go it alone, which makes sense because, you know, back hundreds of years ago, if you if you weren't alone, you got eaten. Do you know what I mean? Like you literally got eaten by a saber toothed tiger or whatever it may be. So we always wanted to be part of the tribe. So long story short, in terms of answering your questions, it's it's normal to stay where you are because of the familiarity and the tribe, and just starting to like distance yourself from these people. And eventually, over time, you know, fade out is absolutely fine, super healthy, and good for your kind of constant evolution and the growth and, and the happiness of you. So, what happens if that that toxicity is coming from within? So, you're your own toxicity. How do you overcome that? Good question. We, to be fair, most of us have some kind of toxicity within ourselves. Um, I think the first step is awareness. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of us, you know, whether it's from an ego point of view, a lack of awareness, whatever it might be, I don't think a lot of us realise that we're toxic. So I think it's super healthy to have a couple of friends who can, like, be the mirror for you and call you on your shit and go, mate, to be honest, the way you're speaking about that person or your attitude towards this is is, is really bad. And, that, and that's the starting point. So like I said, you know, point, like I said to you at the start, without awareness, you can't make much of a change so again you know your brain is, is so powerful and, and so many of us are playing small because we haven't worked out how to master it but just looking for positive you know positive things on a daily basis even starting the day with gratitude of like what am I grateful for is a really good way to start to um, rewire the neural pathways in your brain to see more positivity and even, you know, every time you, you, you see something negative, e.g., uh, you know, this, this annoys me about Stevie, what are two or three things that in that moment are positive about them that you like as well? Like, why your brain to see the positivity? So as you, as you sort of said there, I think that the constant reoccurrence is, is that self-awareness about being being completely aware of how you're acting, how you're behaving, how you're, how you're feeling in that moment rather than be like, Stevie, you're a wanker. Be like, okay, why do I feel this way about Stevie? Like, what am I actually disagreeing with? Because maybe Stevie's actually correct. Is it because 
I may not be educated enough to know what he's talking about. Is it because, you know, I've had this previous experience with this other asshole that I think Steve is a bit of a wanker now? Like, what is it about me first and foremost before I start judging other people? Mate, that's so big. And this is a really big piece that um, I spend a lot of time on with clients of like, whenever you feel yourself in a heightened state, up or down, is always an opportunity for introspection. So, for example, if I, you know, there were two people in front of me and I, I called them both dickheads with the same tonality, same posture, whatever it might be, one's absolutely fine with it and can laugh it off and one person gets, like, razzed up. What is that actually saying? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's that saying about the person that's razzed up? There's always an opportunity for introspection if we feel some kind of trigger or heightened state of emotion. And often what we're judging in people is the um, unhealed part in us. So, for example, I'll give you a real-life example. For me, I remember, you know, at the gym, I was working out with this guy and he took his top off and he wasn't in the best shape, according to me, which, you know, is bullshit in itself. And I noticed myself judging. I was like, oh, that's interesting. What are you judging about that person? And what I noticed for me was I wouldn't feel comfortable taking my, like, I didn't feel comfortable enough taking my shirt off if I wasn't in the best form. So all I'm doing is, what I'm judging is just reflective of me. So it's a really good exercise to get into, to notice, oh, what is it about that? Why am I judging that person? Why do I care about it? There's always something, if, if you can see it, there's always something internally that wants to be addressed. Yeah, I guess we, we can only see th- things from our perspective. So it's always interesting yeah. to ask, well, where is that perspective coming from? Why am I feeling this way? 100%. Yep. I want to uh, touch on it, and I'm really curious to hear how you have continue to stay positive all this time, but, but more so like the, the failures that you've come across, no, undoubtedly in your journey and what the, that failure looks like, what it was, if you're okay to share a couple of them, there don't have to be anything huge, but how you overcame that feeling, how you continue to overcome those failures, as you, as you sort of said before, is the more you put out your message, the more haters you and the more pushback you're going to get. How do you keep overcoming those obstacles? Well, mate, the failures have been big, like really big. So one that I haven't really spoken of publicly, so I'll do it now, is three years ago I actually filed for bankruptcy. And, you know, for any anyone that's a really big deal. Um, and often it's a bigger deal in your head than, than, um, than uh, other people see it. And then from there it was just a tirade of things. Literally that, you know, broken relationship, a loss, like, three work opportunities in the space of probably six months. Um, You know, my car blew up. I ended up in hospital. Like, it was just a 15, 16-month hit after hit. And on their own, they're okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, caught one hit, you're down for a couple of weeks. But when it's just continuously for a period of time, it eventually kind of wears you down a bit. But a couple of things that for me were really important of, like, why is this happening for me, not to me? Was a was a, a, a one-liner that I would constantly go over in my head. And what eventually shows up is that your pain for many people becomes your passion. So for me, you know, when I look at the bankruptcy, it was a mix of a lot of ego of like just being a dickhead, um, a lot of limiting beliefs, you know, an inability to kind of run a business. And I look at that stuff now and go, well, fuck, like, if I've got that, you know, one of the exercises my mentor at the time had me do is write down everything you believe to be about, you know, to be true about money. And up until now, I think I've got about 115 limiting beliefs that I've that I've noticed, let alone the blind spots around money. Like, if you've got that much shit around money, you're going to fucking really struggle to have success in it. So, you know, what was a real pain point for me now becomes a really strong passion of going, fuck, I don't want anyone else to experience these challenges. Like life, life is, life can be real hard. And, you know, if you don't have the tools to manage it, then it makes it even harder. And I I was lucky that when this did happen, I was already on the path. You know, it's probably been about four years now that I've been really deep diving into mindset, fulfillment, happiness, connection, um, so I was probably six months into this path and I could see what was coming, but I just had, I'd, I'd left too late. 
you know, in terms of turning turning the ship around. So um, that's a big thing. And, and, and the thought of like, why is this happening for me, not to me, helped me get through those moments because I was like, this is going to serve me in some way, shape or form down the track. Even the breakup in the relationship, you know, like, I then went on probably an 18-month journey around understanding relationships, understanding connection, understanding sexuality, understanding all different dynamics that I now help other people kind of work through so that they don't make the same mistake that I did. So that's a really big piece for me. And I think, you know, depending where you're at, is I went through a period where for me to look ahead and to look at the future was really dark and bleak. Like I couldn't see anything positive. And it wasn't that I had, you know, suicidal thoughts or anything crazy like that, but I just would look ahead and I'd be anxious as fuck because I'd be like, I don't know where I'm going. So for me to come back into the present moment and go, okay, you can't see a future, let that unfold itself. But what are the things that you can do today that just help you get by for another day? You know, and I, I, every time I'd entertain the idea of future, I'd bring it back to like, okay, here's, you know, didn't know what I was doing with business or anything, but here's six things that you can do on a daily basis. And for me, it was exercise daily, have good nutrition, sleep well, um, hydrate yourself well, get some kind of vitamin D or, or nature, um, make connection. So have, have, have a good conversation each day. And then for me, my, my number one value is around growth. So if I did those... Even if my world didn't feel like it was moving forward, I still felt really good at the end of the night if I did those things. So um, those are a couple of things that constantly played on my mind in those you know, more challenging moments. You've said a couple of times like finding fulfillment and life fulfillment. What does, what does a life of fulfillment look like for you? Well, life fulfillment for me is um, the, the first thing I had to do, which I've mentioned a couple of times in this, is get off the, the, the hamster wheel that is society. E.g. chase this, get more money, all, all the kind of external things. So that was, that was a hamster wheel that I had to get off. But what I really needed to do was create stronger connections because that's primarily what we're here for work out what my values are and this is this is an exercise that people really underestimate the the importance of knowing what is of value to you so for me it's growth for me it's running my own business for me it's having an impact for me it's obviously health fitness like i know my recipe i know my recipe for fulfillment and happiness so even if the world falls apart like it is now my recipe doesn't change and i can keep moving forward knowing my recipe like you know you know we obviously spoke before we we came on around you know part of me uh, really struggles to um be vocal about how good my world is now knowing how tough it is for so many other people but because i know my recipe i'm not influenced by outside things do you know i mean like at some stage yeah it's pretty annoying (laughs) what's going on in the world and i really don't like the government, you know, the farmers or mainstream media. So when I've got those three things coming together, um, that pisses me off about what's going on. But in terms of it having a, a you know, a really kind of long-term detrimental um, impact on my world, it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's not the case. So I think it's really important for people firstly, you know, as we've spoken about numerous times, to really understand who they are and what they represent, understand their values and understand what fulfills them and know that it's not an external thing. You know, connection to a certain degree is external. It requires another person. Um, but I don't have attachment to a shiny car, a big house, a hotter girlfriend, whatever it may be. And that is a really empowering place to be because when you put your happiness, fulfillment in the hands of someone else, you're fucked. Because if, if it's taken away from you, you're cooked. Mm. So, you know, it's really important to start to have that self actualization you know, that introspection to know what you, you know, what's your recipe. Do you have any, aside from, I guess, those, those six things, any sort of daily practices that you do to, to keep you on track to, to achieving that, that life fulfillment? Well, those, those six things are the big, um, are the big six. You know, I'm fortunate that one of my business partners in one of my businesses is a meditation teacher, so that helps massively. Um, and I mean, I look at all of those and none of them 
costs money. Do you know what I mean? So anything that my business is doing, not doing anything that I gain from a materialistic point of view, or, or like nothing changes. So that's my kind of recipe on a daily basis. And then I think for me, you know, a big part is I want to be moving forward. Like pro- progression's important. If I feel stuck in an area of my life, whether it be relationship, business, health and fitness, that's annoying. Um, but I know that's, that's kind of my recipe. So, you know, outside of that, I feel so fortunate that I could be living, you know, in a tin shed and it's not going to affect me massively because I know my little, I know my recipe. We, uh, we spoke a fair bit about growth and being one of your, one of your values. Is there a particular course or book something that's had a profoundly positive impact on your life that's helped that internal growth oh mate the list is endless to be honest <laughs> but um I, th- I think the positive thing you know when i'm working with clients now and they want a book or whatever to read is because i've read so much shit i can really point them very quickly in the right direction um and i feel kind of fortunate that i have made the, that path for so many people a lot easier in terms of you know, not wasting time, energy, money on on shit. But for me, you know, yeah, I could reel off 20 or 30 books that are really big, but Lost Connections, which came out a couple of years ago, is a really good book. Um, and one thing I will say about that is, you know, growth looks so different to so many people. One thing I found myself in that pattern of is, you know, because personal development growth is so big to me, it's my number one value. Is almost that mental masturbation of just consuming information, but having very little awareness around my own stuff. So I do mix my, um, you know, reading and my podcast and whatever it may be with a really healthy level of introspection, self awareness, self actualization to navigate those two. Because you know, up until the point of bankruptcy, there was a really strong level of. Um, or a really strong interest in growth, but fuck all self-awareness. And, you know, even in my last relationship, um, you know, uh, which was was short-lived, but even in that, like, I know a lot about relationships now, but you can read books and do whatever else, and then when you get into a relationship and your stuff shows up, it's a different kettle of fish. So it's really important to be able to kind of navigate the two of those things. to, 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 you know, in terms of general growth. And aside from growth being a value, what are a couple of the other values that you sort of put highest upon your list? Just for people who may not, okay, know how to search for their own values. Yep. So one thing that I'll say with that, and there's a couple of good exercises to do, but, you know, when you're trying to unpack your values is thinking about where, one, you know, what lights you up, where do you spend your money, um, what fills your house? You know, what do you do with your time and energy? So growth for me, I can do any time of day. Like if I'm sick and on my deathbed, I'm still probably got my Kindle reading. But for me, you know, outside of that is health and fitness. Like I need to train every day. If I don't, I'm not the best of humans. Um, connection. So I definitely need to have a phone call, you know, each day with someone or obviously see someone in person. Um, you know, what else is in there? Uh, I'm trying to think of my um, ones off the top of my head. I should know them. Growth, growth stands out. Like resilience. So, you know, there can be a couple of different types of, um, of values and it depends who you speak to, but there's essentially, you know, your core values, what, what is core to you and then things that you value. So what do you value in another person? We might value their humour, their kindness, whatever. And then what do you value? Well, I value... You know, my career, I value money, I value um, health and fitness, whatever it may be. So there's a few things. And, you know, and like I said, is when you get super clear on what you value, then you'll often be in a really good position. And that's, you know, often your values stem from some of those pain points of, of, you know, your younger years. Like I value mindset because I, my mindset was fucking horrible. I value health and fitness you know, and I, I value mental health because I come from a family of addictions and mental illness. Like these values stem from pain points for myself. And, you know, often if you see someone really passionate about something, you can guarantee that that 
passion stems from some kind of pain that they may or may not have shared with people. Mm. Who is the the biggest or one of the biggest inspirations in your life, whether that's a mentor, a fam, uh, a family friend, a friend, someone that's really helped guide you down your own path? It, yeah, it's mate. It's such a good question because I, I as a kid, didn't have many, oh, many, any role models that I really kind of looked up to. And, um, you know, even through school, I was a real problem child and I didn't even have any teachers that I kind of really looked up to. So it doesn't set the best foundation for, um, for success if you don't have any role models. But I think for me, it depends, you know, like I don't believe in one role model. Like I've got a number of people that I look up to in different areas of their life. So one of my best mates really love what he does with his business and his relationship. And then to be honest, a lot of them are online. You know, like I really like the work that Aubrey Marcus does. Um, If there's someone who I feel most aligned with out of anyone I've crossed paths with um, in my 16 years of personal development, it's probably him. You know, he's big on all things health and fitness, peak performance, sexuality. He does, you know, psychedelics and plant medicine. You know, he's interested in business. Like he, he is very much on the same path. So probably him, you know, I like, I like what Joe Rogan does. I, I really like, you know, the, the characters these days, and even to a certain degree, Mark Boris. I really like this new way of leadership that embodies both, obviously, leadership and resilience and emotional intelligence. You know, I think if you look at yesteryear, there was very, there's very good leaders, but they've got fuck all emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, I'm really drawn now to those that can do both, who have got that heart, you know, even to a certain degree. Karen Ray's got some really impressive stuff as well i'm really drawn to those that you know i've got that that are, that are leading from that heart space and having a massive impact so there, yeah there's a few a few names yeah and i think each of those have all all built not just this this incredible wealth of respect like Ori marcus having on it and, and all the other stuff that he's sort of into but incredible businesses as well as showing that you you can build something very financially stable if that's what you want to go for and as well at the same time be a really fucking good human being you don't have to be an asshole about things you can just go Aubrey Marks being a perfect example going about doing his thing and being very sort of disruptive in his own manner but not being a dick about it being really like you said there's very spiritual about everything that he sort of does and just wanting to bring just this love and connection to the world whilst creating just really cool products and, and services as well well mate for me that's the thing now is is most people are one or the other you either built this real business and you're an absolute you know shocker of a human or you're a very good human you know and great connections but you haven't really had a massive impact and you know each their own absolutely fine but what i'm drawn to is a really good human who also has a really big impact and um, you know, positive influence on the world. So that's kind of what I'm drawn to it personally. No, I love that. And may I know I want to be really respectful of the time, but what are you working on next? What project, projects have you got coming up that we need to keep our eye on and looking out for? Well, there's two things I'm working on at the moment. Like I've got my coaching, which kind of moves along nicely um, and love that and, and feel so fortunate for the clients that I've kind of drawn in. Um, but I started a business with two mates, a while ago called Momentum with MEN in the middle being um, in capitals to stand out for the fact that it's a men's program. And for us, you know, what we found is obviously men's mental health is a shocker at the moment, but we wanted to combine, you know, a mix of mental health, peak performance and just a, a connection and a community, you know, of men who champion and challenge each other to be better. And, you know, there are some men's programs out there, but we found our type of blokes um, you know, who are probably quite resistant to this space really wouldn't step into anything like that. So we wanted to create something where a bloke who's probably going to dip his toe in for the first time feels like it's accessible, somewhat appealing, um, and he wants to be part of it. So that's one project. And then I'm really, you know, as I kind of alluded to before, really drawn to building this tribe of like-minded people, which will be, you know, through my own coaching business. Um, and... You know, for so many of us, you know, loneliness is going to be the next epidemic, I think. And what I, what I can see playing out is 
<coughs> people really looking for proper connection, not like bullshit, you know, like and comment on someone's photo or not send them a text, but real deep, solid connection. So I'm kind of building that out at the moment um, that that will become somewhat of a mastermind in, in 2021 where, you know, you get around people that are similar to, to me and, and, you know, you, I guess, if, if, if you're the fit around, you know, health and fitness, connection, sexuality, you know, community, those things that are really kind of juicy and, and help you evolve and connect and, and be held accountable to really maximising, you know, your capabilities and potential in, in the space of 12 months. So there's some really juicy projects. And, you know, as I said, I feel kind of fortunate to have found another sweet spot after, you know, health and fitness um, filled that spot for me for, you know, a good 15 years. Oh, perfect, man. That sounds awesome. So I'm sure people are going to be really interested to see where that journey takes you and, and all the all that contact information will be in the show notes below. And lastly, where can people reach out and see more about what you're doing and, and how to hopefully help cultivate this, this bigger and more connected tribe? Yeah, so Instagram's generally where I de- do my best work. So Blake Worrell Thompson. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a doozy, <laughs> but B-L-A-K-E. W O R R A L L T H O M P S O N on Instagram. And, you know, what I'll always say to that is just see what resonates with you. You know, people can get excited about jumping into the next program or whatever, but I think it's really important to find someone who's a good fit. So if I am, cool. And if I'm not, definitely keep searching for, you know, the, the coaches or the tribe that feels like it's, you know, the right fit for you. Perfect. I think that's an incredible note to finish on, Blake. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been an absolute pleasure to chat with. Beautiful. Thanks for having me, mate. That's a wrap.